and welcome to Press Church. My name is Chrissy Bontrager, the Care and Family Ministries Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and to thank you for joining us. Our press youth will be having an ice cream bar this Thursday at 7 p.m. at our PAL campus. This is a time for our youth to connect with each other and to learn more about God. Every Wednesday at noon, we release a midweek where the pastors discuss spiritual questions with each other. If you have any questions you would like them to dig into, please email us at info at presschurch.tv. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Palo Ohio 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us as we receive the message. Good morning and welcome again to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, for those of you visiting for the first time, welcome. We are so glad to have you. As well, those watching us or watching online, uh, thanks for joining us as well. Um, we are in our new series together. It's our second week. And I highlighted this last week, but I want to highlight it again. That, that little bumper video before I come out, it's great. It always makes me smile because it's pictures of all the things we've done over this last year as a church. And I think it's incredible that uh, we are still here as a church. We launched in COVID, which in and of itself is crazy. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with other pastors who they, you know, they ask about the church and they're like, wow, you guys actually launched in COVID. Like, you're crazy. And I, I know, I know, we, we are crazy, but it is incredible to see how God has used each of you uh, and, and this church in some really exciting ways. And I think it's awesome to celebrate that, to see the things that are going on. And obviously I know those are quick pictures so you don't really get the full thing, but you, you see just how much has happened in this last year. And it's really a testament to God and what he's doing. So this last week I had the pleasure of, uh, really on Friday, I had the pleasure of going to a dinner uh, celebrating my childhood pastor. Uh, so the pastor I had growing up, there's a dinner, he's retiring from lead pastoring, he's, he's handing that over. And so I got to go to a celebration dinner for him. And you know, in those things, you, you hear all these people come up and all the great things, man, you, you know, you've shown me this, you've taught me this, you've been a servant, you've been a humble leader, you've been, you know, all these things. Uh, and they just, you know, they thank him, it's, it's very natural. And afterwards he comes up and, and, he, and he was talking about it. He's like, I feel the exact same way for all of you. He's like, all of you have, you know, given and served 
and sacrifice for me and my family as well. And he was, he was going on, and it was, it, was, it was cool just to hear all the different stories and reminisce and things like that. Um, but he mentioned something in his thanks that I'd heard him say before, but he highlighted the fact that to him, he said, church is a family. That was always something, and, and you knew it. If you went to this church, he's, church is a family. You know, if you come here, you belong, you're accepted, you're welcome, you're family. And he would always, and he would always say that. And I love, I love that idea, the idea that when you're here, you're family, you belong, you're, you're a part of it, you're not on the outside looking in, you're here. And I would love, you know, as a church, that if someone new comes in, that they feel accepted, that they feel like they belong, like they feel a part. I would love for us as a church to, to exemplify that. Uh, but it, 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 takes, it takes more than just myself doing that. It takes all of us doing that. You know, I mean, we can say that. That sounds really nice. But here's the thing. Kind of like church, family isn't always perfect. You all have that uncle that, you know, at the, at the family reunion, you're like, all right, stay away from that guy. He's a little off. Or you got that sibling who's always causing tr- trouble. You know, it's like, you may be that sibling. I, I, love, I love when I say these things because the families, you start looking around and you can see who the troublemaker is in the family. <laughs> yeah, right here. We everybody, yep, yep. I love it. We all know. You, and you, we got to put up with them, right? We have people in our family that we have to put up with. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, you still love them. They're still family. They still belong. They're still a part of it. But it isn't always perfect, and it gets messy. And I think it's, it's, it's easier, you know, you think about, you know, family. You may be joking with one. It's easy to love them. They're part of your family. You have good memories. But in the church, it, we don't really think about it as family like that. You know, you got those people, oh, they're always, they always got a sour face, or they always say something short or mean, or they're always trying to do this, or they're, you know, and we, we don't love them the same way we would family. What if we start to look at each other as family? Like, how would we treat one another? Would we treat one another differently? And needless to say, and we say this a lot, it gets messy, right? It gets messy. We all have our flaws. But here's the thing, if, if we are going to address the importance of being together, then we have to address that we have some issues. So this week, the pastors, we got together, we started talking about, we've got some issues and we've got to address them. Let's take a look at this first video. Every time I go to church and I sit in this row, there's someone who comes and sits next to me and I don't know why they like to sit so close. Because, you know, it's your wife. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah that, I mean, being, being part of a community of people like a church, is it can be hard. I mean, because people are people. Right. And, and I, you know, you, you, you say flaws. I think it's even deeper than flaws. Because, mm. you know, flaws kind of like a little personality quirk. Right. Or, I mean, it goes deeper than that. Right? Yeah, we are yeah, yeah. broken. Yeah, yeah. To the core. Right. Now, that doesn't mean we aren't redeemed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and right. it doesn't mean right. God's not restoring. It's not that we don't have value. It's right. not that we don't. Yeah, right. We are broken. We have these fallen, this fallen nature about us, right? Yeah. And so does everyone else right mm-hmm. and the lie of the world is is that no you don't or 
that's that's okay, and it's right. okay to just live that out and celebrate that. Be you, right? Yeah. You be you. Yeah, and it's easier that yeah, it's easier if it, if it's natural, do it. And that is definitely the lie that the world feeds us, that the enemy really feeds us, right? Uh, because the more we the more we shy away from acknowledging fallenness and, and even sin in our life, then then we're not going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier to see other people's stuff, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and to judge it and condemn. <laughs> yeah, it's, their right. stuff is way worse than mine. Yeah. I can handle my mess. Yeah. That's our problem. We think we can <laughs> And this is why we need community to help yes. us, help point it out and to help us work through it, right? Right, yeah. But we don't like that. We don't uh, like no. that. No. That's, uh, yeah. we want to feel good about ourselves mm-hmm. and judge everyone else. Right. <laughs> there you go. And that's, uh, in order to move away from that requires humility. Yes. And th- that humble acceptance right. of your own brokenness is key to being able to enter into community fully. Yeah. Enter yeah. into relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. If we don't think we need a Savior, then (laughs) what's the point, right? We were made to live in relationship with others. Mm -hmm. We are a reflection of the triune God. And if we don't allow ourselves to live in relationship with others, we're denying that. We were created social beings. Right. And so we need to live out who we are within a social Right. Yes. Yeah, even the most introverted person needs community. <laughs> yeah. The church should be the safest place. And unfortunately, and it hasn't been the safest right. place. Right. Yeah. We have a history of shooting everyone. Yeah, you, you never know really what people are going through. And everybody is hurting. I mean, there are a lot there's a lot of hurt and pain that uh, we hide behind facades. And that's not healthy. And we have to open up and let other people into that yeah. in order to heal. And, and yeah. we are way better at being that place where someone can be vulnerable and open if we've been vulnerable and open with our stuff. Mm-hmm. And because when we are humbly acknowledging we got stuff, then someone else feels safer to acknowledge you know what? Yeah, I, I got some things I need to deal with too. Right. Um, and it creates that healthy yeah. community feel. Really and truly, what I sense you're trying to model. I think we 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 all are trying to model this this authenticity of this is who I am. Yeah. I'm not the ideal. I'm right. striving for it just like you. The ideal is Jesus. Right. See, that is the thing. We invent these ideals right. based off of worldly values. Yeah. Right, yeah. and and we strive for those ideals, and the opposite of those things is the biblical right. ideal, right? right? Right, and missing the mark, which is what sin actually yeah. means, is when we're not hitting that biblical ideal. Yeah. And guess what? We're not gonna. Yeah, we're not gonna do it. Yeah. but that doesn't mean that we don't strive for that. Right. You know, and you can't do it on your own. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you can't do it on your own. I came across uh, a book this week. It's called The Seven Desires of Every Heart. And the title pretty much says it all, the seven desires that we all, that we all have. 
uh, as individuals. And it was interesting that these seven desires that, that we all long for, they, they all require community. I mean, I'm not gonna go through all of them, but you know, the desire to be heard and understood. You, you need someone there to hear you and understand you. Desire to be affirmed, desire to be chosen, to be included. These, these all have implications of needing other people around you. God has created us to need each other. And he's given us each other. CR mentioned the triune God. That's something that CR says a lot. We are reflections of the triune God. That's, it's implying, it's talking about the, the trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are formed to be communal beings, to be together. Now you could say, you know, God could fulfill each of these. You know, well, we are, you know, affirmed by God. We are understood by God. We are chosen by God. But we are made in his image, we are made for community, and he has designed us for community. I had the uh, the honor of officiating a wedding this last week. One of the uh, members of our church got married, and I I used a verse in Genesis where it says, "It's not good for a man to be alone." And so, you know, God creates Eve. We see from the beginning that there is this value, this need for connection, this need for community, this need for more than just being by yourself. And so my question is, if being a part of a community is one of the, the most important things, most, one of the most deepest desires that we want in our life, then why on earth does it have to be so darn hard, right? I, I mentioned that last week. I talked about how, you know, our millennials and younger and, and even older, we're, we're having trouble building worthwhile relationships. We're having trouble building deep friendships and relationships. Why is it so hard? In Genesis 3, 8 through 13, I wanna, I wanna walk through a little bit of Adam and Eve. This is right after they had eaten uh, the apple, the fruit. And this is what happens. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. It's her fault. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. All right, so. What do we have here? We've got sin, all right? So they, they, they disobeyed God. We have disobedience. And we have fear after that. Uh, what did it say? They said they were afraid. God called them, where are you? I was hiding because I was afraid. So we have sin, and then we have fear. And then what do we have after that? We have blame. So the man, who does he blame? Well, he blames the woman, obviously. She gave it to me. It's her fault. And then God asked the woman, and she says, well, it's the serpent's fault. So we have sin. We have fear. We have blame. We have shame. Why did Adam and Eve hide? They felt shame. They felt exposed. They're seeing an element of themselves that they've never seen before. 
It's not the fact that they are naked. It's the fact that they disobeyed. They are now seeing their brokenness. And that's what we do. I talked about our, our filtered life last week. We're really good at putting on filters. Why do we feel the need to put on a filter? Because there's something about us that we don't want other people to see. I'm gonna get that filter that makes my face look like I have no acne because it looks better. I don't like that about myself. I don't like those wrinkles, so I'm gonna smooth it out. I don't like the background, so I'm gonna change ever so slightly to make it look I'm in a nicer place than what I really am. We don't have to hide something we don't like. We're hiding things we, or sorry, we don't have to hide things that we like. We're hiding things we don't like. We're hiding things that we don't like about ourselves, insecurities about ourselves. I mentioned uh, Simon Sinek last week. I was just listening to a podcast with him in it on Monday, and he, he said this, and I thought it was very true. He said this. He says, we impress with our strengths, but we connect through our weakness. We impress with our, with our strengths, but we connect through our weakness. Now, there's, there's some different layers to this, but at face value, this is very true if we think about this of ourselves. I mean, I think about when I'm reading scripture. Who do we connect with in scripture? We connect with the, the person who's messed up. I mean, think about, you know, you got Thomas. He's like, I have to see proof before I'll believe that Jesus rose again. I have to see it. You have to show it to me. God, if you don't do this for me, I won't believe. How many of us relate to that? Until I see those wounds on your hands, God, I, I, Jesus, I'm not going to believe. And so we relate with somebody like Thomas because... There, there's, a, there's a weakness there. There's a humanness that we can relate to. Think about the woman at the well. She's got a checkered past. Oh, well, I'm that woman at the well. You know, I have a history. I've got things that I've done that I'm not, I'm not happy of, that I'm, I'm, you know, there's some shame there. And so I connect with her because she's me. So we connect through our weaknesses. It's the same in our, in our relationships with each other. Think of the, the, some of the people who are closest to you. you. You've maybe gone through similar experiences, similar struggles. You know, I used to deal with that, or I deal with that, or you know, there's there's almost like this camaraderie in in that that pain. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 12, we see the Apostle Paul. He's boasting about his weakness. He he says, "If I must boast, I'll boast of the things that show my weakness." Think about that, boasting in weakness. He continues in chapter 12 saying, my grace, this is, this is God saying to, to Paul, you know, after he's boasted in his weakness, in chapter 12, God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. We've probably heard this before. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's that's interesting. How many of us boast in our weakness? But the thing is, the reason he could boast in his weakness is because he acknowledges God's power in his life. We all have weaknesses. We all have a propensity to sin and screw up. We know it. We feel it. We don't like it. 
but it's there. I mean, we hear this example all the time of infants. You know, if, you, if you've ever experienced a, a young child, you do not have to teach them how to disobey. You do not have to teach them to not yell, or you have to teach them to not yell. You don't have to teach them how to yell. You don't have to teach them how to, you know, argue with their, their siblings or to hit or to steal or whatever. You can see the selfishness. You can see all of that in an infant. I know Pastor John used to say to the Gateway crew, he said, he would say this all the time, we are fallen people in a fallen world. It's true. Scripture supports this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are fallen people in a fallen world. We have the propensity to sin. We have the propensity to hurt and go against the person who God has made us. But let's look at the scripture after that. So in Romans 3.23, it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What happens after that? Romans 3.24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. That is the good news right there that we have grace, that our, that our fallenness, that our brokenness does not define us anymore. And so now we can all sing kumbaya, we can all get along, we can all be happy together, right? Uh, no, it's still, it's still hard. Because what happens is those, that sin and those flaws still are existent in our lives, and what happens? it starts to interact with those around us. My sin is not just my sin. It doesn't just affect me. Now it starts to affect you and you and you and you watching online and your sin is affecting your spouse and your children and your coworker and your friend. So what do we do with that? God has grace for us. God sees us in a certain light but what happens here? What happens when the rubber meets the road where we're interacting with each other and you did something that offends me and you hurt me? What do we do with that? In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. People get hurt, you get hurt, I get hurt. It's very natural. I've, I've actually said many times, and I try to be extremely careful. Being a lead pastor, you have such an opportunity to hurt people. You can ask, any, ask anyone. We have an opportunity to hurt people because what's going to happen is I'm going to make a decision that you're not going to agree with. Or I'm going to say something that might offend you. Or I'm going to do something that's going to hurt you. And and you're looking at me to be something. You're looking at me to be the spiritual leader, to, to be the example of what to do. 
not what not to do. But guess what, guys? I'm a human just like you. I'm broken just like you. And that's the, it's, it's humbling. Because I know that I might have a bad week and my kids didn't sleep. And my son, you know, decided to poop out of his diaper that night. And I didn't get any sleep. And so I come in the next day and I haven't slept. And now I'm going to be short with you because I got a kid who's pooping in bed. all the parents are like, yeah. And everyone who doesn't have kids yet, get ready. <laughs> and that's, you, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> get, get, a, get the chuckle from the little one. And, and, that, and that's funny, we can say that, but it's, it's, it's true. Like, I live a life, I have relationships, you have a life, you have relationships, you have bad days, I have bad days. How do, we, how do we live with each other knowing that? Do we all have the ability to inflict pain? And I don't want to minimize that. I really don't. Like, I, I joked about the, you know, some of us have very deep pains and very deep wounds that we're carrying with us and are, and are working towards. I don't want to minimize that. But we do have to understand if, if we're going to be together, if we're going to be a community that makes a difference in our community, then we have to address these things. People, you know, we want to be free from pain that's been inflicted on us, right? Um, if, if you've had something bad happen, there's a pain there. You want to be free from that. And a lot of times what we say in the church is, well, you have to forgive them to get over that pain, right? So if somebody did something to you, you have to forgive them to get over that pain. And what do we know about forgiveness? Forgiveness is extremely hard, right? It's not it's not easy. It's very hard. And I think there's a little bit of a false narrative here that only when we forgive will we be healed. And now stay with me a little bit because I, I know that forgiveness is important. But I do think there is a narrative that if you don't forgive, you won't be healed. And there's this tension here. And the tension is this. The tension is that forgiveness is something that I do. Forgiveness is something that I do out of my own strength. All right, so forgiveness in your own strength, in your own strength, we're called to forgive these people. So I, in my own strength, I have to forgive somebody who did something that really hurt. And the problem with this is, if you succeed in the forgiveness, you take the credit, and if you fail in forgiving them, now, you, it's, you're blamed. Well, you're not healed because you didn't forgive them. And so here's what I want to talk about with forgiveness. We forgive by letting God lead in our lives and, and living out of the context of who Jesus is. All right? I'm going to say that one more time. We forgive by letting God lead in our lives and living out of the context of who Jesus is. The context of who Jesus is is Jesus forgave his enemies, and he also died for them. Jesus forgave his enemies, and he and even died for them. If we actually embrace that, that leads to healing for us. Because we acknowledge that we need it as much as anybody else. 
And so if we can acknowledge that God died for us in our imperfections, what does that mean for us in relationship to other people? Oftentimes it's ourselves that we have to first forgive. Oftentimes we have to say, you know what, God? You don't hold that against me. You have to say, I'm the one who needs it first. And when we understand that we need it, we can start looking at other people a whole lot differently. Because if God is willing to forgive all of my sins, how much more can I forgive the few sins that are inflicted upon me? If God is able to, to heal me and to forgive me of all of that crap that I've done in the past, how much more can I forgive and give grace to the people in my life when they do something that doesn't make me happy or do, when they do something that hurts me? One of my big points today is this. If you're right, taking notes, take this down. When we embrace the goodness of God's forgiveness in our lives, we can begin to extend that same forgiveness to others. When we really come face to face with the goodness of God, when we come face to face with the fact that he died for all of those sins of mine and everybody else's, man, how much more can I then begin? That's why I said begin, because it, it truly is a work of the Spirit in our lives. We can begin to extend that forgiveness, but it's not about what we receive out of it. It's not about doing the right thing. It's saying, God, you know what? You forgave others. I wanna be able to do that as well. So if we look at this in the big picture of this series, together, we're talking about making a difference in our community by pursuing God. We talked about that last series and now communing with believers. If we are gonna make a difference in this community, it will require us to be unified together. If we're gonna be unified together, we have to acknowledge that we're gonna get hurt sometimes, that we're gonna hurt others sometimes. And we have to be able to stand up and say, I'm gonna give that person grace. I'm gonna, you know what, maybe when they said that, they didn't really mean it the way that I heard it. I'm, gonna, I, I'm actually gonna go to that person. I'm gonna talk to say, hey, you know what, that, that hurt me when you said that. And I guarantee you, that will build trust. That will build unity within our church. And we have to accept first and foremost, Christ and what he did for us so that we can begin to do that. Our vision statement as a church, we know, I need to talk about this more. Our vision statement as a church is this, to help people embrace their identity in Christ. Hopefully you've heard that at some point here before, but this is our vision statement as a church, to help people embrace their identity in Christ. This is so important to us moving forward as a church. Because when you understand who you are in Christ, you start seeing other people for who they are in Christ as well. Christ died for them just as much as he died for you. And we will find our purpose. We will find ways to work with each other if we understand who we are in him. When we can see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, going back to that family thing, if you can see 
these people around you, not as enemies or not as just random people, but as brothers and sisters in Christ, we can love well. When someone visits here, when someone's here for the first time, we can accept them for who they are and saying, you're a brother or sister in Christ. Christ died for you just as much as he died for me. If we can love well, then we will be able to work together to make a difference in this community. I truly believe that. But it's so important for us to realize it's hard, it's messy. But I think what we get to on the other end is worth it. It's worth it to get on the other end. Because we can, I've said this before, we can come here and we can do our thing. We can come on Sunday mornings and go home and eat lunch and do all those other things. My desire is to see us do much more than that. I wanna see people who don't know Christ come to know Christ. And if we can't get along, that's not a good thing. And scripture talks about they'll know you by your love for each other. It's hard, but we can do it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing, how you're using each of us. And God, just the grace that you have on our lives, that even in our, our brokenness, our sin, our just our flaws, you still use us, God. And I pray that as a church, we each would be able to extend grace to each other, that we would be willing to forgive each other. And not forgiving just to get something out of it, God, but that that forgiveness would be fueled out of a place of acknowledging the grace that you gave us and the forgiveness that you gave us, God. So God, use us. Use us to make a difference in this community, God. It's in your name we pray.